Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Build Your Network, episode 119. Hey, this is Sam Taggart, founder of DoorToDoorCon. And if you want to learn to be a master persuader and networker, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chapel. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but First, if you have not done this already, please go ahead and schedule a quick chat with me. I would love to talk with you sometime just for 10 or 15 minutes over the phone. Um, head on over to buildyournetwork.co forward slash FB. And in the pinned welcome post in the top of my Facebook group, you'll see a link that goes directly to my calendar. And there you can schedule a quick chat. I'd love to talk with you sometime. So I'll catch you there or I'll catch you in the Facebook group. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Sam Taggart. Sam was born in Park City, Utah, and was raised in a family of salesmen and entrepreneurs. At age seven, you'd find Sam selling golf balls at the local course. Age 11, he started selling magazines door-to-door. At age 13 to 18, started a door-to-door company called The Gutter Man, managing over 11 employees, painting the addresses on the curbs. Grossed over $100,000 in sales through high school. At age 18, he entered into alarm sales door-to-door and became one of the best alarm reps in the industry. He was 
was 2014 top rep of the year for Vivint with over 3,000 active sales reps. And in 2016, he became VP of direct sales in the solar industry and has successfully managed millions of dollars in revenue a month. Sam, welcome to the show, brother. Super excited to get you on. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about what you're most excited about right now? Great question. Super excited to be on. I am most excited about this movement that's happening in our industry, I guess you could say. It just, it makes my hair stand up on my arms. Like when I talk about it, I was in a job interview yesterday and interviewing an ops guy. And I was just kind of telling him, he asked me the question. He's like, Hey, where did this all stem from? And I was in a meditation retreat in Southern Utah. And this vision came to me of like, we need to unite the direct salespeople and bring some more passion and honor and dignity and integrity to direct selling. And it's fun. Like it gets me so excited to just watch change and transformation and collaboration and networking. And that's probably what gets me the most excited right now. Totally. It's so funny because so for those listening, I think a lot of you know at this point that that's basically what I started in is door-to-door sales. So I've been trying to get Sam on the show for a while. We've been trying to link up a couple of different times in a couple of different ways. And we're just talking before we got on the recording. We're like, how have we not met each other yet <laughs> at some point? But this whole industry has always been a very doggy dog kind of a world with people competing and trying to recruit others, reps and all that kind of stuff. And it's funny because when I started my show about networking, I almost went the door-to-door route because I saw a need for that kind of like what Eric Worre has done with network marketing in the MLM industry. He's created an entire movement within that industry that's like a recruiting-free zones, quote-unquote, at the GoPro events where there's 10,000 you know, network marketing reps in a room and they're all from different companies and it's a big convention to learn how to grow your business and learn the ins and outs of the business and stuff like that. And I was like, I could do that with door-to-door. And I started looking into it and I was like, Sam's already done that. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Sam, why don't you go ahead and talk to us about like the beginning of all this door-to-door stuff. So it sounds like you started when you were like literally 11, 12, 13 years old. When you were first getting started, was it something that was just always came really naturally and easy to you? Yeah, it really did. And it's funny because a lot of people, it doesn't. You know, I need to speak to, I know a lot of really, really successful people that never sold their first month or didn't make a dime for like two months or, you know what I mean? And then they're cranking now. So, you know, I want to give credit to that. But I naturally, from a young age, I mean, I was seven-year-old, kid diving for golf balls. And I put lemonade and chips out of the golf course and came home one day with a hundred bucks. And my dad was like, what the heck? Like, where'd you get that? <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? like what's seven? Normally, you know, you put out a lemonade stand and you get maybe like five bucks, you know right, what I mean? Right. But like, I just making hustled. real revenue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. It was like, Did he start charging seven. you rent right away? Or was that? <laughs> oh, it's funny though. My dad was like that. He was the type that was like all through high school. I had this government business and, you know, my cousin hits me up and he's like, Hey man, come paint the addresses on the curbs. And I was like, okay, that sounds fun. How do you do it? And you knock on the door and he's like, you just ask for if they want their address painted on and the fire department recommends it. And so I was like, okay, that seems easy. My first day made it, you know, hundred bucks or something. It's like a 12, 13 year old kid. I moved to California shortly after he kind of introduced me to that. And I asked him, I was like, Hey, would you get mad if I like copied your idea? And then I just took it to the next level. I learned the early principle of leveraging other salespeople and management. And I recruited 11 of my buddies and you know, we're just out there cranking. And I was like, look, I'll pay you 13. I'll keep the seven for supplies and override and we'll go crank out curbs. And we do, you know, a bunch a day and 
we'd take an area and we'd all ride our bikes half the time. <laughs> I was out in Fresno. It sounds like you sold alarms out there. Anyway, so I did that and I did really, really well. And then right after high school, I graduate and I ship out to Dallas, like literally the day after graduation to go sell alarm systems. And, you know, my mentality was kind of like, well, if I could sell curbs, I could for sure sell an alarm. It's free. They right. just pay the month. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you didn't have to pay me anything people, right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's free. I mean, they just like, why wouldn't they want a free alarm? <laughs> anyway, so my mentality is like, dude, I could do curbs. I could do this. This is easy. I knocked on lots of doors already. And my first day, I sold five. You know, you've sold alarms. Yeah. Five's a big day. That's a big day. <laughs> yeah. That's nothing to be timid about for sure. Like, that's a big day going in and selling alarms. When you were doing the curbs, was that like literally during the summers or did you do that like after school? You just go paint curbs? After school? I played a lot of sports in high school and I just, you know, it was nice to be able to go you know, practice, then spend two, three hours on the doors and then go home. And, you know, it was like That's awesome. part of my routine. And yeah, I didn't do it in the summers. The summers, it was actually probably less. I was more play in the summer and more work in the school year. But yeah, gotcha. like my dad was kind of like, if you want a car, you got to save up. If you want a phone, it's called a phone bill. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, he just saw that I was making good money. So he's like, well, I might as well leverage the fact that he's making money. Yeah, making exactly. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. So you actually went to high school in Fresno then? Yeah, Clovis and Buchanan. Oh, no, really? Oh, that's so funny, man. Uh, Yeah, that's where I was doing door-to-door alarms for a while. I didn't move there until after I was uh, done with college. But yeah, a lot of my buddies went out there to Buchanan and stuff like that. That's really funny. We might even know some mutual people on that front too, which makes it even more interesting that we haven't met each other yet. (laughs) So you graduate from high school and you immediately start selling alarms? Yeah, literally the next day. And I didn't even, dude, I didn't even know what an alarm was. I never even owned a house key to my own house. How'd you get recruited at that point then? So I'm in Fresno. So it's funny, like my sister had friends that sold pest control and they were like eating dinner at our house. They were like the bug boys in the summer, right? And they're like, hey, when you graduate, you should come sell with us. Then my brother was like, hey, my buddy owns an alarm company. And this was platinum protection back in the day. This was 2008. So he's like, my buddy owns an alarm company and maybe you should talk to him too. So I talked to both of them and I basically recruited myself. Like I call him out. I was like, hey, I want to sell alarms or I want to sell pest control. Which one makes more? And I asked the pest control guy that and I asked the alarm guy that. Alarm guy's like, well, the alarms make more. And the pest control guy's like, well, you make more in alarms, but this is easier. I'm like, wait, wait, you just said I make more in alarms. So then I just decided to do alarms. And I was like, well, where should I go? Because he's the owner, right? Typically you get recruited by like a manager. And I was like, he's like, where do you want to go? I was like, I don't know. Just send me wherever's best. He's like, well, you got DC or Dallas. And I was like, yeah, Dallas is closer. I'll just go there. And I met my manager. I never even talked to him until the day I got to Dallas where he showed up like five hours late to the airport. <laughs> and I'm sitting there just kind of like, oh man, this was all a scam, wasn't yeah, it? <laughs> this is a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was like, dude, what am I doing? And I get off the plane. And it's just like humid and just like sitting there. And what am I doing? Yeah. I didn't know anybody. Didn't even know what an alarm did. So <laughs> that's so funny. So how long did you do alarms for and what were the results that you were seeing? From 08 to end of 15. And I loved it. I mean, I switched to Vivin in 2012. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Okay. So four years you were with this other company? Well, or you moved around a little bit and then went to Vivint? So I did a service mission for the church in Argentina. So technically I knocked doors in Argentina for two years selling the gospel in a sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you know, technically I had a two-year sprint of other door-to-door training in Espanol. Then I went back to Platinum, and then I switched to Vivint. And then, yeah, I did really well. My first year, it was funny, the year 2011, I was number eight at Platinum, and there was like 400 reps. And then the next year, I was number eight at Vivint, my first year there, and there was like maybe 2,500 reps at that time. I don't know. Oh, wow. But I had to double my production. <laughs> So I went from 167 to 300 that year. You know, it just required a lot more playing in a bigger field. You know, it's yeah, like playing totally. in the NBA. Like, you just, you had to level up. Then 2014, I finished number one in the company. Every year I was in the top 10. I built big teams there and made some good money on overrides. At one point, I probably had 60, 70 guys. And then I just decided I wanted to get into solar and wanted to do something in Utah. And that's where home is. And I'd never, you know day after high school, I start summer sales. I never had a summer. And I was just like summer hungry. I had this like crave to just go boating one time. Yeah, right. (laughs) And like, you know, it had been so long to where I'd been on a family reunion. You know, I just, it was a lot of sacrifice doing what I was doing in alarms. And solar kind of gave me a little bit more freedom to do it year round, but have a little bit more flexibility. And that was appealing. And it was a fresh market. No one had ever really been here. So I kind of I mean, it's really new in Utah, and I saw that as a cool opportunity, and and it worked out. Did really well for that. So, what was door to door in Utah a little bit more different? Because for those listening that don't have all the context about this, Utah is like the mecca of door to door sales, and really a lot of network marketing MLM too. Like that's where most of the bigger companies are headquartered. When you started going door to door in Utah versus like being in places like Texas and Fresno and these other places, was there more aversion to a door-to-door sales rep in general, or did you find that it was basically the same? It's funny you ask that question because Utah, it's like 
there is so many people in network marketing and door to door that, you know, you'd be selling an alarm or solar and they're like, oh, my cousin has a solar company or my cousin sells solar. Right, like, yeah. It's just like, you know, you'd get that objection where you'd never get that in like Texas. It wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, my buddy sells alarm systems like you just wouldn't get that. And then you'd also get like complete polar opposite, meaning people are the nicest people on the planet because they like empathize. They're like, oh, you must have served a mission or you might. Oh, cool. You're paying for call. Like just super nice people. Mm -hmm. But at the other end, they're just kind of like they don't like buying things. Yeah, like, like Utah, they're super nice, but they're like, but my buddy does sell alarms. So if I'm going to yeah, get or, one, it's going to be with him. I don't need that. Or yeah, they're, <laughs> they're super like they're super cheap, you know, not, I'm just stereotyping. Frugal, frugal, Utah, yeah. They're frugal. Like <laughs> yeah. Utahns are very, very frugal, but that's why I like selling solar here is like, well, you know, if you're frugal, you'll do this. Right. <laughs> yeah. like, we're selling a discount I'm, here. Like there's not a yeah, problem. Yeah. And so that was my pitch. I'm like, Oh, you must be really frugal with your money. Cool. That's why you'll do this. <laughs> so, anyway, but no, I like knocking Utah. I mean, the, it had its challenges too. Like the other side of it is there's power in, getting yourself out of your own element, which was really the biggest struggle I found managing people here in Utah and managing myself a lot of times was it's super easy when you're in your hometown to be like, well, I don't know, let's go on a date tonight or let's go do this totally. or let's go both. Yeah. You know, the second something comes up that's hard, you know, or like that that's more appealing than knocking doors, which I would pretty much say most things are more <laughs> appealing than knocking doors. Let's be real. So then you just take the more appealing thing where if you're like remote, you know, I sold in like Amarillo, Texas or like Benville, Arkansas. I mean, there's like nothing to do other than work. And so it's kind of like, well, might as well. It's like I could sit at the apartment and watch Netflix or go work. Well, right. let's go work. So let's talk a little bit about some sales psychology because doing this for as long as you have, I'm sure there's some little tips, some little tricks that you use to lower people's wall when you're at the door. That's what I tell everybody that starts new with me is I'm like, look, our job as door-to-door -door salesman is to lower the wall because there's a wall up every time someone answers the door because you just knocked on their door and you're not invited to their house. So they have a wall that's completely up. How do you try to take that wall down as soon as somebody opens the door? Well, yeah, there's a lot of different, I'll give kind of like maybe three different principles. And it's interesting. I wrote a book called ABCs of Closing. And it's because no one talks about that like whole initial door knock, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? But essentially yeah. life is door knocking. Like, I don't care who you are. Like, let's say you're trying to network and trying to meet some guy, like you got to knock on his door and say, or call, you know, essentially cold call and say, Hey, this is who I am and this is what I'm doing and this is why it's important to you. You know what yep, I mean? Like totally. mm -hmm. essentially the psychology applies in everything. So three different principles to that is one, you gotta break their pattern. And it's funny, I ride a scooter door to door. You know, I just got hired to go out to Rhode Island. I consult and I train different companies and whatnot. And I asked the guy, I was like, Well, if I could come knock with you out in Rhode Island, you gonna have a scooter for me? <laughs> I was like, I can't. I was like, I don't know if I can carry my scooter on. And he's like, I'll get you whatever you need, you know? <laughs> it's like, and I, you know, I was just saying it jokingly, but essentially when I knocked the door, I would literally say, hey, and I'd park my scooter on their doorstep and like right there in front of their door, they'd answer the door. And the first thing I'd say would be like, you like my ride? And they'd be like, what? <laughs> oh, I thought that was my kids. <laughs> and they, they're kind of like, oh, that's yours? I'm like, yeah, you want to ride it? And then they'd laugh and they'd be like, oh, that's funny. Like, oh, that's pretty smart. Like, oh, yeah, it's hot out here. Like, blah, blah. And usually the conversation would start about the scooter, 
not about an arm or solar or whatever, right? Mm, yeah. And immediately it's a differentiator that made me different than everyone else out there because people get their door knocked all the time, whether re- like realistically their door knocked or, you know, think of all the billboards, the marketing online, the emails that you get. Like we just always, there's everybody asking for attention. So if you can differentiate yourself and break the pattern, I found that that's probably your first step. And mm. so I use my example just as people are going to remember that, right? So yeah. do something that's like way unexpected. The second thing would be you got to control the conversation with asking the right questions. And you're directing where you want their thoughts and feel, like how you want them to see, think, feel. And you can do that by just asking the right questions. Mm. So think about like, you're not going to somebody's door they're going to come to the door being like, ah, I wasn't expecting anybody. I'm not interested. You know, they almost have this like pattern that they've been trained their whole life on how to automatically get rid of somebody trying to sell them something. Yeah. You know, it's like just an automatic, like my go-to is always like, oh, I can't, my wife would kill me. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Even though I'm the one that does all the payments and the finances and everything. Right. right? Right. But it just seems to work. And I've been trained my whole life that that just works. Like, oh man, my wife does all that. And I just, that's my go-to. Anyway, so if you understand that and then you simply go, okay, how do I control this to where I get him thinking about what I want him thinking about versus his automatic response of, oh, my wife, or, oh, I can't afford it. Oh, I'm not interested. Oh, I don't want to buy anything. You know, you're just going to have those common, you call them smokescreen objections. Mm-hmm. They're just spitting out an objection just to say it, just because right. that's what they've been trained to do. Right. So I would typically say, my initial questions are like, Hey, are you the homeowner? And initially, you know, that's an easy question for them to answer. So they're like, yeah, I'm like, Oh, cool. How long you lived here? I mean, another easy question to answer. It's not intrusive and that's not going to hurt anybody if they told you. And they're going to be like, ah, 10 years. Cool. And then usually my third question I ask is like, Hey, who do you know in the neighborhood? Or who do you know on this list? Or who do you know? Or do you know Sally or Tommy or Karen or whatever next door? I bring some familiarity because That brings me to the third thing that you would do is what you do is you build a bridge. So you need to build a bridge between you and them and create a connection. Meaning there's this wall, right, Mm -hmm. that you're talking about. Well, in order to get over the wall, you've got to have some kind of mechanism to just, you know, where it's seamless. So I just say build a bridge on top of the wall that you guys can both stand on. And now you're both looking at each other. There's no wall and you're on the common ground. So you lift them up and you lift up and now you're on this bridge. Mm -hmm. And how you do that is basically by seeing some commonalities. So everybody, if you know stuff about their neighborhood, then they know stuff about their neighborhood. Therefore, you both are two people that know stuff about their neighborhood. Or they have a jazz hat on, and you're a Utah jazz fan. Therefore, you guys are both Utah jazz fans. So now you're both on this, like, you've, like, bridged the gap, right? Yeah. And when you can create some... I always say like real common ground. A lot of people fake it. A lot of people like, oh, I love the Ravens. So did Tony Romo, did you see the yeah. guy? Back? <laughs> right, and they're like, right. what? Yeah, exactly. you know, you're, like, you're not a Ravens yeah. fan. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, you could get super like cheesy with it. And I think a lot of times sales reps think that that's the right thing. But like, if you're not a Ravens fan, be like, oh, I hate the Ravens. I'm a Patriots fan. And it's like, then just say that. Be like, we're both football fans. Let's talk football and bash it out for a second. And they'll appreciate that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I got common ground that you both like football. Anyway, so that would be the third thing. 
Got it. Got it. So from the porch, especially in alarm sales, I assume you did the most of your selling inside the house and not on the porch, right? Depends on the product, right? And also depends on my objective. Yeah. With alarms, were you on the porch or were you inside? Oh, in the house. Solar alarms in the house. You know, it's really difficult to close people standing up. Right. Totally. Totally. It's not in a buying place. You get them sitting down, you get them comfortable, you get them liking you. So what are some ways that you got in the door from the porch? In alarms, my go-to is, this is great. My go-to was, so your door jam right here, let me show you how this works. So I would give them my pitch and I'd say, let me show you how this works. And I'd point to their door jam and be like, all these door jams are made of a, of a white pine. That's like a softwood. And this is like interesting, right? It's interesting to these people. Right, They're like, oh, right. really? And you're like, yeah. So what happens is because it's a soft wood, it makes it so the firemen can break it or kick your door down in case there is a fire. I mean, they got to be able to get in your house, right? But the flip side of that is it makes it really easy for a burglar. They just give it one hard kick and the door jam breaks and that's how they get in. So what we do is we put a sensor and I would like kind of just like inch my way in and just say, we put a sensor right here and I'd just kind of show them. Like I'd be like, hey, let me show you real quick. And I'd put my hand up under the door in the inside and they would tend to move away, and then I would just kind of walk in. And it was like, it was a, such a sly move. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's so funny, uh, bro. I literally did like something very, very similar to that. I wouldn't talk about like the fireman kicking the door, but I would just be like, let me kind of show you how this equipment works. And I'd like get down on my knees and kneel down and show them on the bottom of the door, even though I know the sensor is probably going to go on the top of the door. Then when I told them that I, you know, would you like me to take my shoes off when I, so I can show you the rest of the, how the equipment works. It was like from a position of being really down low. So it was like way less intimidating than me standing up face to face you know, as like a six, one, 200 pound dude, <laughs> like say, I'm going to come inside your house. It's like me kneeling down, like looking up at them and then assuming I'm going to come in by asking if, if I want to take my shoes off. So it's so funny. Like there's so many little different tricks and tips like that, that it seems like are pretty industry wide. Well, industry wide for the people that are actually decent at it <laughs> yeah. uh, that usually work. Super cool, bro. So let's go ahead and, and move the conversation on, talk a little bit about networking here. So you've been door to door for a long time. And then these last couple of years, you've been really focusing on your personal personal brand, which is basically this whole like door-to-door convention movement that you're starting, which is a way to, like you were saying before, unite door-to-door people together. Whereas before it's always been very, very uh, polarized. It's always been people competing against each other, like pulling shady recruiting strategies, you know, behind the scenes and stuff like that. What are some of the best ways that you've found to be able to get some of the people to speak at your event that you want to speak there? And who are some of those people? Maybe I shouldn't say this. How long is this going to take to publish? But anyway, I just signed uh, Jordan Belfort to speak at next year's door-to-door con. Nobody knows that yet. That's awesome, man. So if you're listening to this, you are one of the first people to hear that. So congratulations. (laughs) So hush. But Brian Tracy, he's speaking at my virtual event June 5th through the 7th. So we're doing like a virtual one. I had Dan Clark, Diane Cowboy, Jeremy Andrus. He's like the CEO of Traeger and Skull Candy and... I mean, I had some really cool, like in the industry, you know, a lot of people outside the industry might not know who these people were, but like the former VP of Solar City to VPs of, you know, these big Dish One. And, you know, like now I've got Monotronics VP to AT&T directors to some of these big companies that are speaking next year and this past year. And what's interesting, I think, if you can create a situation, and, and a lot of people ask, like, how? I've actually had a lot of people pay me to speak. So, believe it or not. And the reason being is people care 
you know, everybody wants to be significant, right? And most people in this world never had a stage to stand on. Most people in this world, like, I mean, this is my second podcast I've been. Did I charge you? And did I say like, oh, I don't want to be on a podcast? I'm like, no, everybody wants to build build their human brand. They want to build their name. They want to feel important. They want to be seen, right? And so in networking, it's the same thing. If you can show how by being associated with you, they could then network through to other people, your value to them just goes up, right? And so by people, like when you ask, like, how'd you network to get people to speak? Like, I have to turn a lot of people down. You know, I have people hit me up all the time. Hey, can I speak at your next event? I'm like, who are you? Like, you know what I mean? Like, because everybody wants to feel this importance where never before have they had a stage. I mean, this never existed, right? There's never been a conference for our industry. There's never been a a platform where they could be seen like my podcast or things like that. So essentially, I created a new ocean where people now want to play in. They want to be like, how do I get in that ocean? And I basically am now the connector to everyone. Like, it's crazy. Literally, like, I just met with the senior vice president of AT&T and he's interested and he's like, how do I network through what you have? And it's like those type of people, because they can receive value from what I'm bringing, they care. But if you don't bring the value to them of like, what you're doing. And if it's not like a good cause and it has like, what's in it for them? Cause what's in it for him by him knowing my network, they want to sell AT&T door to door. Right. Well, how do you get into that? Well, know the door to door gurus, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so it's exactly. like, essentially, you know what I mean? So it's like, there's a way, if you can say, how do I bring value to people? Your network equity just, it multiplies super fast. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, bro. That's exactly the reason I started my show. It gives people that I want to network with and get to know, it gives them a platform to be able to push out their personal brands and products or services or whatever else they may have to offer, which gives me an edge over somebody who may not have any of that. So like, if I'm just a random person that reaches out and is like, Hey, I want to talk to you. They probably can't give me any of their time. But if I reach out and say, Hey, do you want to be on my show uh, where I've interviewed people like Kevin Harrington and Grant Cardone and Ed Milet and some of the best of the best out there, then it gives me a way to be able to get people to say, actually, yeah, that would be great. I'd love to associate with some of those people and get my message out there and bring more people into my next event or product or service or whatever it may be. So if you can build some sort of a platform and then allow others to leverage that platform, it is one of the most effective ways to network. And that's why I love so much about what you're doing with door-to-door con, Sam. There's so much awesome stuff there. What was the most surprising thing about throwing an event that was like, just you were not expecting? Great question. I honestly, I was surprised at how well it went. Like I was expecting the worst. So I'm like a type that I just wing stuff, right? I'm like very bad at planning. For me, I'm like, just press go and I'll figure it out, right? Yeah, totally. When you throw an event where you have a thousand people there, okay, it's funny. I did a podcast. I'd only listened to one podcast, like one episode of a podcast before launching my podcast. I did an event. I'd never been to an event. I didn't even know what an event was supposed to look like. And I'm like, well, you know, I just kind of envisioned it. And I was like, okay, probably should have this and a stage and vendors. You know, he had like 30 vendors or something. And for me, it was like, what was surprising how well it went? Because I was like, dude, this is going to be a crap show. And then what also surprised me the most was how many people actually came because of the holy cause. And then the biggest surprise. So Vivint hired Grant Cardone to speak at the same time. I don't know if you heard about this. At Down the hall from my event. I don't know, to recruit or something. I don't even know. I'm like sitting here going, 
is this in spite that I left you? Like, I, I have no idea. I'm yeah, like, right. So literally, I'm throwing this two-day event. And then on Saturday, from two to five, Vivint says, we're going to throw our own Vivint event and hire Grant Cardona. It's free and everybody's invited. So they call me. They're like, hey, you should tell everybody to go. It's free. He's down the hall speaking. That was probably the biggest curveball because, you know, I find out about that. Literally, they hired him the week of door-to-door con. It's not something that was like planned. Like I get a call on Monday and then from the VP of Vivint and he's like, hey, just so you know, I thought I'd give you a head up. We're hiring Cardone. He's speaking down the hall. And I'm like, "Uh, hold on. I hang up. I call the Salt Palace. I'm like, I'm like, wait, is this a real thing? Like, yeah, they just booked it on Friday. So I call the regionals at Vivint. I'm like, hey, do you know if anybody big names speaking this weekend? He's like, no, never heard anything. I'm like, they just did this, you know. So then that was kind of a curveball that it was like, how do you adapt? Where right, you have, right. What are you supposed do, to do at that point? What are you supposed to do? Like, this is a non-recruiting event. This is all super like pure. Everybody's coming from out of the country. They didn't come to see some pitch to go sell for Vivint and what ended up happening, and this was probably the biggest surprise, was I was nervous. And I took the route of, I'm just not going to say anything. I just don't care. They're going to do what they're going to do. I could care less. My event's going to be freaking awesome. I have amazing speakers. I have people that are just as good, if not better, than speaking at Grant Cardone. They just don't have the name, right? They haven't done a good of marketing or whatever, right? And to my dismay, you know, maybe like half went to the Cardone thing mid-Saturday. It just kind of fuzzles out. And then within 30 minutes later, they all come back. And what ended up happening was the energy, there was true energy that was a very negative, unpure cause there Mm -hmm. versus a true energy of very pure, holy, like unifying cause. Mm -hmm. So they had big hashtags that went across the stage that said hashtag only Vivint in massive letters on their stage. (laughs) Then what happened was the entire community, I'm talking the door-to-door industry, says F that hashtag only unity and like owners and VPs and like really big influencers in the space start just hashtag on the unity and posting all this stuff on social media. Like, wow, we realized such a, like this was the whole reason this event needed to happen. Totally. The yep. entire exactly. reason that this needed to happen was that. And sad to say, I mean, I didn't mean for this to happen, but even their own VPs posted stuff like, wow, we learned a valuable lesson today that money doesn't trump class. And that was probably one of the coolest, scariest, weird things that most events probably would never have to deal with. But in a long winded answer, but I mean, that was probably the biggest surprise to what I ran into. That's that's awesome, man. That's awesome. I love hearing that all the other people were just like, you know what? This is ridiculous. This is exactly why we need something like this. And actually took a stand. Sounds kind of cheesy, but but basically what happened against like a giant like Vivint who literally threw something together because they saw dollar signs because you did all the work to bring a bunch of people to an event. And all they had to do was try to grab a few of those people and assign a dollar sign to each rep that they could recruit from that event and fly out somebody with as big of a name as Grant Cardone. So really, really yeah. interesting, bro. Really interesting. If you need a contact to get Grant to speak at your next event, just let me know and I'll make a connection for you. 
Yeah. I mean, I technically, you know, when people ask, they're like, hey, who spoke last year? I'm like, I mean, Grant Cardone kind of spoke. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> so, he was there. <laughs> I mean, he was there. It he was spoke funny on stage. He spoke on stage spoke, to door-to-door people in the same building. Yeah, it's the it's same. Thing. Same. I mean, technically, I could say I got Cardone last year for yeah. free. So, <laughs> take that. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. That's it was funny. funny. No, literally, like, he gets out and there's signs posted, like, door-to-door con, and my buddy was with him because they know him or whatever. And he goes, wait, isn't it that way? He didn't even know. He literally, <laughs> like, he goes, wait, we're going the wrong way. Isn't it that way? The signs are pointing that way. And they're like, yeah. no, 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 we're doing a different thing. He's like, wait, what? And, and that's when it finally clicked for him. Yeah, he, was yeah. like, he didn't even know exactly what was happening. He's like, somebody paid me money. I'm speaking. I'm speaking. That's yeah. it. Get me out there. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, but I have mad respect for all those guys. I'm not trying to say anything bad. I just, yeah, no, I, I totally that was the biggest curveball. Yeah out of everything yeah, huge curveball yeah definitely well cool bro we got to move on here to the last segment something I like to call the random round just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers you ready sure this is the random round what profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt 100 percent game show host that has been my dream job since i was like little <laughs> if you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk to them for an hour who would it be and why Jesus, just because he's like the best. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, think how much wisdom the dude's got. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? I'm a book and an audio. Like I'm an audible slash book. I don't retain much when I do audible. So it's kind of like, you know, I read a book. I could probably teach a lesson on it. I listen to audible. It's like, don't quiz me on that. Gotcha. <laughs> so, gotcha. What, what's a book you read uh, recently that you'd recommend? My most recommended book is Outwitting the Devil. I've loved it. And then it's Napoleon Hill. And I basically just read his Master Key book as well. Or I did that one on Audible. Okay. And that one was really good too. So it's like... So anything like, Napoleon Hill, basically. Yeah, I love him. Even though he's just like super old and crackly, but super he, good stuff. He's got some of the best stuff out there. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Wake up around 11, just kind of mosey around. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, so Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I play ball at 5.30. And then I come home, I drink my little protein shake. And then I sit and I read for about 30 minutes. Then I meditate for probably 15. And then I read my scriptures for probably, well, I go meditate scriptures and then read my like educational piece and then I plan out my day. I have a DDD planner that I made. I haven't sold a ton. I haven't even promoted any of my other stuff, but I sure use it. So <laughs> at least I get something out of it, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I map out my day on my planner and then start the day. So. What is your go-to pump-up song? Honestly, I have this new one. Have you heard Stargazing? No, I don't think Kai so. Or something? I just love it. It's good. Listen to Stargazing or Greatest Showman in the World, the intro song to that. Got it. Have you seen Got it. Showman? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Soundtrack is great too. Sound, oh, so good. What is something that you are not very good at? Spelling? Terrible. <laughs> and as we, I, get, as we get everything wrapped up here, Sam, what is one place online where we will be able to find you the most? Probably Facebook. Like join the D2D Can't Knock This group. It's a group of like thousands of door-to-door sales guys. That's like my group. And then uh, ddd.com or ddd.com. 
those are my two websites, but I would say join the Facebook group and that's where you'll get a ton of good. It's like the tribe. We call it the DDD tribe. Perfect. Yeah. So if you want to hear more from Sam, do have some personal engagement with Sam, head over to the D2D Facebook group that he has set up. D2D can't knock this Facebook group. Join it. Say what's up to Sam. Tell him you heard about him here on the show. Sam, brother, thanks so much for coming on, man. I had a great time chatting with you. Yeah, thank you. You did awesome. Thank you, man. That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media forward slash FB. Remember, you're only one connection away. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.